welcome once again along to the official Scottish Rugby podcast. We're in person, Rach, you first and I. Time first time me. ever. Between the, uh, first time in, in the studio. Today we're joined by Jim Malander um, and Gemma Faye of Scottish Rugby and we're going to have a, a look at the, the women's and girls strategy that was announced this week for the next four-year plan. Gemma's going to take us through that and, and some developments in the, uh, in the male strategy uh, in terms of the pathway from, from Jim as well. So um, we've got a, an interesting few minutes ahead of us. Well, I'll warn you. It's um, it's a middle of June. It's nice and warm, <laughs> on the, the the almost edge of a heat wave apparently coming up from the south. Um, this is the coldest haunt you'll ever come yeah, to in BT. I'm a bit chilly. It is chilly, <laughs> and we're on the edge of a heat wave. The, some of the recordings in here way back when, honestly, wrap up as we get through October, November, December. If we're uh, if we're using this place, this this is a cold haunt. But it's brilliant. <laughs> that aside, it's brilliant to be in person. First time we've done it. Uh, yeah. Podcast together. But first of all, how are you? How's the Good. How's the week bit. been? Yeah, big first week. Uh, we've obviously had a little bit of a layoff. Uh, the Scotland women's team, a little bit of downtime for some of us anyway. The sevens girls have been working hard, but as is, fifteens uh, players have come back in um, this week, and which we'll allude to as I'm sure we go through the podcast today, are training more or less full time up in Edinburgh for the next few hours. So first week which is always tough uh first week of pre-season but now it's been great to get back with the girls is it as bad as it used to be the first week or now did you get that little time off the first week can't be that bad is <laughs> I it i actually don't think it's <laughs> do you know what with the evolution of gps and loading and stuff <laughs> they actually don't have as much free reign as they used to i don't think to to just let loose on you so i still saw three of them last night it looked oh, tough yeah, yeah no it was it was tough <laughs> enough that we were pretty broken was, last night but so Gemma, how was pre-season for for you as a as a professional football player it was it was tough as a goalie <laughs> yeah well you forget as a goalie i don't know what the equivalent in, in rugby would be but everybody just wants to take shots and there's one goalie <laughs> and then there's forever. like 20 players <laughs> so the, the famous i'll lay it off and you have a shot is great if you're a player as a goalkeeper oh my word <laughs> you're there for hours it's like it, it, i imagine it's partly like a bronco <laughs> yeah for just hours yeah 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 we're down and ups oh all the time especially with me i'm not good <laughs> well listen uh great to, to have you on board a big announcement this week um rachel's you know, alluded to one already in terms of the uh, the the support given to the women's players to build up to the to the World Cup, but therefore thereafter uh, this week as well, you, you've a big part of, of your strategy, the women's and girls strategy, presenting it uh, this week for Scottish. We give us a, a a kind of brief overview. I know there's loads of brilliant detail in it. The big things that jump out to me more than anything else is this is this is more than just about rugby for women and girls. Uh, yeah, it is. It's it's as you say, it's Scottish rugby strategy. I just had the privilege of being able to kind of pull it together into one place. Uh, but we're really excited about this. Um, the board passed it a couple of weeks ago, uh, and with that comes the the kind of what we're saying is we're wanting transformational change, and with that, it's transformational investment. So we've got an agreed up to additional that's additional two point five million that that we can invest this year and and throughout the the, the life of the strategy. Um, to to ensure that we can reach the the targets we have within there, which are big and they're bold. And as you said, this is not just about on the field. It's not just about you know um, completing that pathway, really defining it, which which we aim to do. It's not just about bridging the gaps between international rugby and domestic game, which which we need to do, and which is highlighted within there. But it's it's also about those things that underpin the development of the game. It's about visibility. It's about how do we commercialise the game. How do we responsibly move the game towards the professional era at the top end? How do we help clubs and support clubs to grow infrastructure, which fits the purposes and the needs of, of, of women and girls in rugby? So how do we do that? 
you need the strategy, Mosey. <laughs> <laughs> there's, uh, there's, uh, well, there's some there's clear points on the strategy. Four Ps is the one that jumps out for me. The depth of the document, the big document, we've tried to summarise as best as possible to to kind of explain. And what we're saying is is we have seven areas in which we'll strategically invest. We're calling them our building blocks. So we're looking at um, empowering leadership, positive introduction to rugby, path, a playing pathway for all, building our capacity in clubs, developing the future of performance rugby, a winning Scotland, let them see what it can be, which is, as I said, is about that visibility piece, which is all underpinned by that investment. Um, and those will have an impact across what we're, what you said, as you said, the four Ps, which are participation, pathway, pipeline and performance. Uh, and, and that talks about the journey for players. It talks about the journey for coaches. It talks about the journey uh, for match officials, but also leaders within the game. Uh, and un- that's underpinned by... Uh, Rachel's thinking about what can I ask? <laughs> She's coming off all my points. That's, that is underpinned by us uh, us being a little bit smarter and wiser around about what the data is telling us about the game, how it's growing, because it's growing so fast and so quickly, not just in Scotland, around the world. So this strategy is also slightly flexible in terms of saying we're, we're committing to things, absolutely. Uh, but how we deliver them, we'll be flexible about that, about what, what we're being told by our people within the organisation, what the, our people in the clubs are telling us and what society is telling us as well. One thing I, that kind of jumped out at me hearing about the strategy yesterday was that stuff at the club level. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you've got planned and what we've got in place for the future, which I'm sure a lot of the people listening will be interested in? Yeah, so we, we, we've started it already a little bit because we've had the season structure review with the clubs. Uh, we had workshops with them all. We asked them questions around about what, in terms of the different levels of the pathway, what the aspirations should be in. And we, we've gone out there and said, look, this is this is what we heard you say. This is our ideas around this and about how we can move that forward. Ultimately, we want to get more women playing rugby. We want to get more girls playing rugby. A few years ago, we changed things in the girls' side. We introduced girls' series events to really you know, give opportunities at all levels, regardless if you had enough girls to make a team. We're going to be looking to, to build that more back. And we said in the strategy, we want more formalised leagues so that opportunity exists. The participation level and club level in terms of playing, what we want to be saying is, look, if you've never played rugby before, doesn't matter what age you are, there should be an environment you can come in and you can learn, be it just to train, or if you want to actually go and play competitive rugby, that should exist. And, and hopefully that's what we've captured within the strategy. We're never going to get everything right at the first first try, but as long as we keep engaging and, and talking with, with our clubs and the people within our clubs, that's important. The other aspect of that is is the support around that, so the game development piece. We want to get more females involved in coaching, not just within the women and girls game, but across rugby. Uh, we want more match officials. Uh, we want more leaders. And when we talk about leaders, we don't just talk about presidents within clubs. We talk about those with decision-making responsibilities. So match secretary, team managers, those those kinds of things. So we'll be ex- uh, launching some exciting uh, programmes which are aimed specifically at, at giving opportunities to females to come in to develop into those roles. Yeah, that's participation. And, and there's a cultural change that you've uh, hinted at as well uh, the, the physical makeup of rugby clubs and uh, and training facilities and venues. That, that it's all going to be part of the, the, the strategy. Moving forward to the next period in, in terms of pathway, you, yep. you've kind of bracketed this as, as developing, really, isn't this? this is developing phase for for the players and the people uh, involved. There'll be regional training centres as well, um, three uh, across Scotland. Can you give us more detail around that? Yeah, I think like when we talk about the four Ps, what I just want to say, I've got I know I've got Jim sitting to my left here, so I need to say the right stuff. <laughs> no, but when we talk about performance, we talk it's about terminology. Yeah, yeah, we we talk about male performance, we talk about female performance. So pathway, pipeline, performance—it's the same language that we're using internally and externally when when we talk about the male one. 
I think what's important and why we do differentiate between uh, female rugby and male rugby, women and girls, boys and men, is that they're both at different stages in their development and they both require different things. So it's not to say that we're going to say everything that's happened in the male game is right or everything that's ha- uh, those things are wrong. What we're going to say is let's learn what's out there and let's put that against what's required for females at this moment in time in the development of the sport and then make sure that we provide for that. So yes, we will provide regional training centres. We're super excited about that. Uh, We want to launch three of those. Uh, They will have a full-time performance development coach aligned to them. They will be delivering for 60 athletes across the country who will access everything. So they'll access rugby, S&C, physio, sports psychology support. In addition to that, there'll be an opportunity for an additional 40 to access additional rugby opportunities. That's to support with with what's happening at the club game. At this moment in time, we provide that for our national team players based in Scotland. But below that, we we don't have that depth and we don't have that level of resource and we need to change that. On that point, Jim, Jim's certainly need to pick up his microphone. He's enjoying, <laughs> he's enjoying, Gemma. Uh, it's a good educational piece <laughs> for me. <laughs> on that point, it's really important. That Gemma says about the, the integration between the male and the female um, parts of the game, and, and the terminology is the same. The inspiration can be the same. You know, boys can be inspired by the, the women's team, and, and similarly, vice versa. Developments this week from from the male pathway as well. We spoke about with, with Kenny Murray uh, yesterday and John Fletcher in terms of the the male pathway, the under twenties the season structure, the involvement of the under-20s in the, the Fosrock Super 6 as well. Can you give us a, a flavour of what was, what's been covered off this week in, in the male pathway? Yeah, uh, just to try to summarise fairly briefly. Um, <laughs> yeah, John Fletcher's come in. Um, he's an interesting bloke. I think um, a lot of people um, will be challenged by him, he's uh, great. particularly some of these questioning. He, he's a workaholic. He's absolutely brilliant. I think he'll be, be um, a breath of fresh air to Scottish rugby and really involved in the pathway level. So um, male, female, really under 18s, Mm. um, that sort of range. He also is looking at coach development. So um, it's a very wide, big Mm. job, to be honest, and we probably need to look at that moving forward. But So he's in charge of pathways and coach development. It was something when I arrived here, I I saw a massive gap. You know, we spend um, a lot of time coaching players which is absolutely fantastic we've got mm-hmm. good players we've got very good coaches mm-hmm. but we've got nobody actually looking after the coaches so so John's part of his role will be, will be to look at that and 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 grow there so so really he's in charge of the pathway side if we move up then to um, the pipeline we really we sort of got Kenny Murray at that sort of level and there we're talking in terms of sort of our under 20s our under 19 age groups um, our Scottish qualified players mm-hmm. all, all that sort of work we do we do in that area our contract contracted academy so our our lads at edinburgh and glasgow at the moment um who who are stage three you know stage three in the academy pushing towards professional contracts not quite getting there but how can we look after those kenny's job is to really focus on that pipeline how we can push them through to the performance side and really at performance top level we're talking about edinburgh Rugby, we're talking about Glasgow Warriors, we're talking about our men's national team. And getting meaningful fixtures for for players at all levels becomes really important, doesn't it? Uh, Chris, I think that's a massive challenge to us. Uh, under 20 male, we've we, we struggled over the last few years. We are against, as we know, you know, the, the opposition we play against, whether that's men's, women's, 20s, six nations, is tough. We're up against it. So we've got to be at our very, very best. We can improve. 
We can't just do the things we've always done. We've got to do things differently. Super Six for us is, is a competition where we can control. We can control the coaches, which is absolutely fantastic. We can control who plays in that competition. And we need our under-20s playing in that competition. We need our senior squad players who are not getting enough game time with Edinburgh Glasgow playing in that competition. And we want people playing in that Super 6 competition who want to be professional rugby players. Jim, on the kind of, I guess, the flip side of that, on the female side of the pathway, what opportunities do you see kind of with this strategy coming into play for the likes of kind of obviously we've not necessarily always had an under 20s competition and stuff like that for for the younger girls who are aspiring to be in the Scotland women's team with this strategy what kind of opportunities do you think will come for those kind of age grades for the women yes yeah, so there's there's a couple of pieces we're nicely segueing into the pipeline almost there. The pipeline here, oh, almost lumbering up eh? <laughs> uh, no so th- there's a couple of bits so we, we've talked about the regional training centers the other piece that we need to look at is our age grade programs uh, and we need to enhance the the quality of the competition that, that, that those those players are experience um, this year it was great we had the launch of the under 18 uh, six nations festival which was fantastic opportunity for those players but we need to do more in that space and we're in discussions with Six Nations and we, we said it within the strategy above under 18 there needs to be something there which is relevant to the development of the women's game and what I mean by that is within rugby we get a lot of latecomers that maybe try at university for the first time uh, and transfer over so for us to have an under 20 team and then that's it might not be the right thing for us we currently have the senior futures which allows us to capture those those players that maybe have come through our pathway you know under 18 moved up but also those late ones that we identify allows us to put the right support around them to be able to prepare them to step in uh, to to the to the women's squad, but they need more competition. So so that's an area. The other thing which which we've put in our strategy and we're being bold about it is saying that we need to have semi professional environments within this country that offers an opportunity for our best players to progress through the pathway up into semi professional environment and then be selected for Scotland. Those environments don't exist in Scotland right now, and as you know, Rachel, a lot of our players go elsewhere to to access an environment where they're playing the best best level of competition that they can outside of an international environment and we understand that but for the growth of the game in Scotland we need to be bold and we need to say well we need to create those opportunities here in Scotland so we, we've said we've committed to uh, creating semi-professional club or clubs and once again the flexibility in the strategy allows us to do that depending on the strength and depth we have and also that we will compete in a competition and that competition will be with other unions and we're currently in that discussion right now about what that looks like as I said this is a four-year strategy so we will deliver that over the, the term of, the, of this strategy. Is that one of the hardest things? Of all the things you're, you're putting in place to commit to? Um, or, well, committing or to it, something we don't control, so yeah. I, I guess... Because, I, you, because you're working with, with partners and yeah, like other mean, nations. The, the important thing here, and um, I've been in women's sport for a long time, uh, my background is obviously I, pl- I played football, and I guess you can say it was fortunate or unfortunate. I, I've been through the step from amateur to semi-professional to professional. So from a personal experience, I've I've experienced what's been good about it and actually I've experienced what the, the, the you know the challenges are within that. So it doesn't mean that we'll get everything right here, but I understand that this is not going to be plain sailing. What I also understand is, and, and other unions, other Six Nations unions, and actually globally, because we talk a lot globally, is... We have a responsibility to manage the the growth of the women's game into the professional era in a responsible way, which provides as much security for players as possible, but is also realistic about the expectations of what we can achieve and when we can achieve that. 
It's not about holding the game back. It's about ensuring that this is not a false dawn, that we have the right finance in place, that we can continue to grow that game. And within rugby, what I I would say is that's happened really, really fast, really, really quickly. So we have a responsibility uh, to make sure that we do that in the right way. How much have you learned from the male game going professional over the last 25, 30 years? I spoke to Grant McKelvey quite a lot. He's (laughs) told me everything that that we... Because, I mean, there was was a process, well, Jim, you'd been involved in it as well, of of becoming professional. Yeah. And and there'll be, there'll be kind of bookmarks and rights and wrongs from that that you you can uh, refer to. There will be differences, of course, but there'll be some learnings. Oh, there's differences, but there's absolute similarities. Our players will be going through it right now. There's, There's a number of our players that effectively have been professional for, for some time now and there's a number of players that are just starting on that journey now and I was speaking to, to uh, one of the players yesterday and was, how is it going and she said to me I feel guilty because I'm not working uh, and that's part of it because once you get to that point where you're tipping between amateur and professional you get to the point where and Rachel will know this like uh, we've probably trained like as professionals for, 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 for some time now the difference is the rest time in between Part of being professional is understanding when to sleep, understanding when to nap. Naps are important. Understanding when to have your first breakfast and second breakfast. It's a different kind of lifestyle you have. To, you, had your third, you had your third, didn't you, Mossy? It's a different <laughs> type of lifestyle and mindset. Now, part of that step from amateur to professionalism is, it's not that we've just got 18 or 19 year olds coming in. We've got older people who yeah, have established wow, careers. I really saw that hand gesture towards <laughs> you there. It went that way. <laughs> Rachel, it you went were the closer camera to the nineteen. It. Rachel, <laughs> it went that way. It went that way. If I'm if I'm to go to somebody who has a career and they earn X, Y, and Z and they worked really hard for it, and say to them, "Oh, there's a contract. You can either do this or do that." That's not going to work because number one, number one, we have a responsibility to the people in our program, right? And our responsibility, and this is actually the harder way to do it. The harder way to do it is say, "What is it you want at your rugby career? What is it you want at your life?" What is it you want at your professional career? We put those three things together. Okay, this is what we can offer you for this. Does that work for you at this age and stage? And also, what else can we support you with now that will prepare you for when you're no longer a rugby player? Because that's the right thing to do. The right thing to do is is not to put players in position where they feel they have to choose and they don't have an alternative. Also, uh, we've come out and we've said about contracting players, if you're not contracted through us, it doesn't preclude you from being selected for Scotland. And that's going to be really clear. They're two different things. I, on that point, Rachel, as well, the, the announcement earlier on in the week of the support that Scottish rugby has given to the, I suppose, the Rugby World Cup squad, you, you I think I heard you saying it, it kind of works really well for, for you as an individual, for the squad as individuals at the moment. And the strategy, obviously, for your plan, and this will be after the Rugby World Cup element of it. But how, how you know, much more preparation does it give for for the World Cup in, in October that you are you have found a solution that, that works for you? Yeah, I think it's massive in terms of what we can achieve together. Um, Gemma kind of alluded to the professionalism, not necessarily just being about getting paid. Like we, I always find it a little bit insulting when people say that we're not professional because we pride ourselves on being professional because our behaviours are. And I pride myself, and as I know all the girls within the squad do, is to work as hard as anyone who is professional as an athlete. But the difference now is that we have the opportunity to be together and be professional. So we're not working at our clubs in isolation at times. And now we can work together and we can work together to achieve the best that we can achieve for Scotland and not just for myself or other individuals. And I think that's what's going to be the difference is the actual time and the opportunity we have to be in the same place training together 
and spending that extra bit of time on the field together. It's an incredible opportunity, but it's about us making the most of it now. And we're really excited. You know, we just want to go to that World Cup in the best possible state that we can be in as a squad and go and use it as an opportunity to grow the game. You know, this strategy is incredible and the opportunities for girls coming through are going to be really, really exciting. And for us to go and have this stage to go and perform and hopefully achieve for Scotland will just kind of, I guess, give this a bit of a springboard and, and hopefully get more girls playing and, and get involved. So, yeah, it's it's really exciting, but we are obviously only a couple of days in, so I'm sure there'll be <laughs> a few more challenges along the a way. A few grumpy but, moments. But the, yeah, at the <laughs> moment, it, it's all kind of very exciting, but no, it's it's brilliant. Yeah, we're tipping at that performance element, the strategy as well. They talk about the, the, the national side and also one or two things that, that Rachel's touching there, the, the marketing, the commercial element to that falls into the, the performance side. The numbers are growing, the numbers are, are up, uh, and they're going to continue to, uh, continue to rise. So just that final P, that performance P, in terms of World well, Cup qualification, performance of the national team, WXV, the, the new um, tournament that will take place annually that involves Scotland women in the, is it the November window, October window? It's a bit before that, because that's that. the other thing, is we're changing the Reg 9 windows to accommodate oh, no. the global season for the women. So, yeah, there's lots of changes so there. In that performance, that that is the all those bits and pieces, about including player welfare, that's almost the, oh, well, it is, it's a final step of the, 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 the four Ps, isn't it? It's the final step of the four Ps for those that want to do that. That's the important bit, and this is the, the, the strategy is... is it's designed in a way which is around about maximising the opportunities based on what it is you want rugby to be for you. And that's important. But yeah, look, we're, I guess what we're seeing when it comes to performance, and hopefully Jim agrees with me, performance is it. If you're in a poor performance athlete and it comes to, to, to stepping on that field, you know, we will hold ourselves accountable for the investment that we put into the team and the opportunities we provide. And I know these guys hold themselves accountable as well for the performances they put out there. And what we're saying is the targets that we set within in performance are in relation to what we know is coming down the line in terms of the rest of the world. So um, we've put in there a target around the top four finish in the Six Nations. That leads into the WXV because they're both connected, which leads into Rugby World Cup qualifications for 2025. A top four finish doesn't mean that we won't go to the Rugby World Cup just means we won't go through what the we went through to process. get to this one. And I think these guys would appreciate that. And I certainly know the staff would appreciate that. But look, I think that we we have to set out our stall and say, you know, with the investment that we're putting in, with the talent we know we have currently and the talent we know we have coming through the pathway, we've got to back ourselves a bit here. Top eight is, is what we're going for in terms of world ranking, in terms of WXV, because they will be connected. But whereas before in, in, in global international women's rugby, where we've had the Six Nations and probably at the envy of most other countries, the way in which the global season internationally is designed for women is regional competitions, i.e. what we do, what New Zealand do, Australia do, USA, you will have to compete in them to get into the WXV. And then the WXV, where you finish in that, will have an implication in whether or not you do go to a Rugby World Cup. So everything is connected. It's like no free hit here. It's like, we, you know, these are performance windows for performance reasons. And Chris, we, we, we're talking about performance and, and it's absolutely fantastic that we've qualified for a World Cup. First time in 12 years and we should celebrate that. The girls have done a, a fantastic achievement. But in a way now, that's now all set up. It's down to Rachel and the team and Brian over this next few weeks, months. You know, the, everything's hopefully in place for them to go and, and be the best team they possibly can. That's fine. It's now our job to really look forward and, and to, to get, and, and hence why the strategy is so important. Talk about performance, but if we don't get the things underneath that right, then we're not going to um, compete at the top level. When's the speed in the ground? When's the first foot in the ground? When does it 
you know, a lot of it's going on anyway, but in terms of a an actual start point, is it the minute that you put that document now it media? started it's going we uh, we put in there aspirations about season restructure for the women's game so that was out two couple of weeks yeah, ago yeah, a lot yeah. of consultation around the yeah, clubs yeah, that as well. yeah we did and a, a lot of challenges which is yeah. right we should have those challenges i know that that, that robbie and fletch's team is he's he's raring to go he's ready to go so we've we've got in terms of what we want to do this year we, we have a lot of those things we know we need to kick off this year and will happen um, so a lot of the stuff that's in the strategy is ready to get started. Some other stuff, this year is about planning for it. So when we talk about leadership academies, mentorship programs, we know we need to make a difference in that space. Um, but what we need to make sure is the difference that we make is right. And so we're working with our colleagues in rugby development to make sure that we get that right. In terms of the commercialization of it, that bit, um, I've had some interesting conversations, exciting conversations, if you want, with, with Julian, with Tony. Uh, around about let's sit down and let's really look at where our assets are what they will be as a result of this strategy who's connected to what and and really what's important for us is being really clear about what each part of that pathway is about what the purpose of it is who we should be looking to invest in that aligned to the purposes that they have as organizations and that's that's important for us and it's important for us because these types of things matter these types of things are our national team uh, there's there's certain things that really matter to them and and certain aspects of this which really matter to us so that's important so in terms of speed of the sand this the spade is in the stand and we are digging Remember, you used to kick off sand. You used to kick off sand. I used to dig. I used to dig a hole. Jim would have dig. You would have dug a hole in the ground to put the ball. And every time you took a, a kick at goal, it was a different height. And then I, I bypassed the sand. You, you bypassed the sand. I bypassed the Were sand. Were you injured or just no, no, just just managed to not selected. dig a hole in the ground long enough before the <laughs> tee came along. Uh, a lot of similarities there, Jim. With you know, looking at an international game around Six Nations, Autumn Nations series, linking in global season. We're pretty much you know chatting earlier this morning. We're, Rugby's pretty much all year round now, isn't it? In terms of you know, performance and playing and participation and growth and tart and touch and all the different initiative initiatives we've got going on, it, it pretty much is a an all year round game. Yeah, it is. It is. I think with um, with sevens competitions, with with men, female competitions, um, yeah, un- under twenties. You know, we've got the under twenties going off to Italy uh, uh, over the next two or three three weeks. So it's very exciting. Super six, of course. You know, the competition is, do- doesn't um, follow the the, the normal. What did you season. make of the sprint series? Just just coming in last week. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I've really enjoyed watching some of the games. I think, um, as I say, it, it's some good standard with some real good youngsters coming through and getting some quality game time. I'm hoping we'll see that reflecting some of the under twenty performances. I know speaking to Kenny, he, he's quite um, enthused, looking forward to that. So um, yeah, I think the Super Six is going well. Um, and again, hope we we just need to keep building on that competition. So it's a it's a, it's a four year plan. It's a deep plan. Um, the strategy, obviously, covering off lots. I mean, there's loads of bits and pieces that we can pick up on. But the kind of point we started with around it's um, it's more than just rugby. I think Gemma makes it clear it wants to develop leaders and match officials and players and the whole environment and cultural change at rugby for for women and girls. That's really important. I think it's massive because I think you know we want people in positions across all aspects of rugby because they then start to influence. Um, and it's important for us to have a voice as, as women a 
across all aspects of rugby. Um, and I think, you know, for young girls to see the likes of Holly as a referee or the likes of Dee and, and, and people like that in, in different types of roles across rugby and see those opportunities and know that it's it's not necessarily just about playing and being at the top from that point of view, but it, there's so many opportunities and we need women in the game. Um, we want women's voices and, and we want to be represented so it's it's very cool <laughs> I don't know what just came on could, could you be a present could I see Rach be a present <laughs> in the future <laughs> I just really said that uh, future plans uh, future plans that's not on the future plans at the minute um, <laughs> no do you know what like any, like I am extremely passionate about obviously the, the women's game in Scotland and doing everything that I can in the, the position I'm in at the minute to, to grow the game and ask often uncomfortable questions and push for push for whatever we can but yeah no present one step too far <laughs> minute definitely is yeah <laughs> very underqualified but um no look i love scotch rugby like you know so um yeah anything i can do yeah no you've got a big big summer ahead of you they um look back at summer rugby recently obviously urc no scottish influence in the semi-finals but it'll be an all south african final with the stormers and the bulls Leinster and, and Ulster knocked out in the semi-finals and a lot's been said and written about the, the influence and the introduction of the South African teams but I'm not sure how after the first few weeks we'd have thought there'd be two South African teams contesting the final but both fully deserved in terms of their, their grit their determination and that's a tough one to call between the Stormers and the Bulls isn't it? Yeah not for me to call for sure but no it's, it is surprising yeah. um, you know I think a, a lot of people said that it would probably take a couple seasons for, yeah. for it to kind of I guess iron out and, and see how it panned out but I don't think anyone could have predicted that, that they would make, both make the final let alone potentially not, even not one even, of them, I so. mean we point to the kind of first few weeks mm. where they didn't have their spring box and they were on the road they hadn't played a home game in the first three or four rounds fair enough you know, at that point but even two or three weeks ago where the, mm -hmm. the last couple of games of the, of the season with the, the top eight really in the balance even at that point you would have yeah you wouldn't have a bet on, on two South African teams but the, the deserve it the, the physicality and the yeah. power they've got and Ulster will be really disappointed yeah. almost an opportunity missed similar to Edinburgh over at the Stormers yeah. the week before but but Leinster, they must be kicking themselves in terms of the the last couple. You of You wouldn't big have echoes. called that, would you? No, um, no. and look, quite rightly because yeah. they're so they're they've been so good, and it doesn't make them a bad team no. losing the European final and that. But how do teams get over that? Because that it's the meaningful games at the end of the season that everybody puts all the value on. But a season's more than that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's 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 so tough, and and we've had it with the the Six Nations just there when you've had a really successful season things have gone really well and you've achieved some cool stuff but you finish on a on a low one and it's it's almost like often in sport you don't have time to be emotional and you don't have time to reflect properly because you've got to go on to the next thing and I think it's in those situations you actually do need to feel the emotion and you need to feel go almost through that process yeah and mm. like take the time to reflect on it take the time to go away from it and kind of use it as fuel I guess the next season because for teams like like Leinster who are so successful, you know, if you are just constantly successful, when you have those kind of I guess setbacks, it probably does hurt a lot more. But you've got to learn to to, to the way the, the the game is at the minute. It is so competitive. Every 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 tournament in the in the men's game and the women's game are so competitive at the top level, and it's you've got to have the skills to to bounce back from it and. That's the only way you learn them, and it'll happen at some point, yeah. Won't it? You know, exactly. It, it that's it. You know, it, it, it don't in any walk of life in any sporting environment. You might have dominance for a, a period, but it's not it's not forever. Yeah. 
Um, so the uh, yeah the URC finals this weekend will be um, an all South African affair. Super Six Sprint Series final um, was uh, was last Friday. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. Did you see no, it? No, I didn't. Friday see it, no. night. That was uh, it. Was uh, Watsonians won in the the final play of the game uh, against Stirling. So it was a I don't know officially how many games have gone down to the never mind the last it's minute been the last really play. Close this but there's been right four now. or five in the last two or three weeks yeah. anyway. So congratulations to, to Watsonians. Stirling were, were were leading the game. They were in a position where they, they could have won the game. Saw the game out. And, and won it but that would have meant they finished uh, in second place in, in the Fossil Sprint Series so they decided to roll the dice they needed a bonus point try to, to win the uh, the trophy and quite later they went for it and Watonians intercepted and scored so uh, Jason Baggett skipping away for Watonians to go 7 from 7 and, and, and win the, the Sprint Series and, and they're good value for that for a team to, to win 7 games in the bounce they obviously deserve to, to finish at the top uh, but still we're impressive other Super 6 news or oh, the other game at the weekend was was Burnmere versus Heritage. Heritage came out on top uh, on that one, and the, the teams will now go away and reset and come back for the, the championship, kicking off in early August. But other Super 6 news uh, this week was that Pete Horn, the Ayrshire Bulls head coach, has got uh, a new job with Glasgow Warriors. He was a full-time in the staff at Glasgow Warriors, a really disciplined player, diligent performer, and it's the same in his coaching staff. So it's, it's great news for, for Pete to see that pathway, that transition from... Um, be a short time in Super 6 but up to a professional game yeah absolutely and I think you know whenever you hear people talk about him as a player diligent and, and committed is, is the word and that's exactly what you would want from a skills coach as well and I'm, I'm absolutely certain he'll, he'll be an extremely successful coach but I love to see that pathway players coming through and having that opportunity to go and, and influence that next generation and someone like that who was such a influential player and person within Scottish Rugby and Glasgow Warriors for such a long time I'm sure will have a brilliant impact on those players coming through. Yeah, they say like the, the general opinion would be it'd be hard to go in and coach players that you've spent so much time playing alongside and being teammates of but I think for, for Pete Holland's point of view that won't be a problem at all the, the, the respect that he had as a player in that playing group it wasn't unique utterly unique but it was pretty unique mm. and I think that'll help bridge the gap between being so close to players you know Six months ago or eight yeah. months ago, as a player, to he he will he'll absolutely get that that message and hit in the head. So so uh, good luck to to Pete Horn as he um he takes on that new role and um, with Glasgow Warriors who of course are 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 still recruiting for for a, a new head coach yeah. as well. So there'll be a, a bit more change in Glasgow Warriors. And some of Pete Horn's players will be in action this weekend uh, as the the Fos Rock Sprint Series came to an end last weekend. We've got a the pro alignment fixture which is the the best of the east versus the best of the west that air on Saturday the, the three teams aligned to the west uh, will we'll choose a team and then they'll play against the, the, the players of the, the three teams aligned to the east uh, we don't know the teams yet obviously Friday but that's another it's another kind of step isn't it like going through that process you, you talk about pathway and development but having to work within a week you know, thrown together for for use of a better phrase and figure out a way of beating beating some arrivals. So so that's Saturday afternoon here. Yeah, no, I think it's a it's a brilliant initiative in terms of we've seen lots of Super Six players now come through and play for the pro teams, but this is another opportunity for them to be in a slightly more concentrated pool of the top players in that competition, um, and have the opportunity to showcase themselves again and and like you say, kind of have that challenge of learning in a week and, and going out and going to battle so um, I'm sure it'll be a really competitive fixture and a brilliant opportunity for those players Yeah, some of Scottish rugby has done it under 18 and under 20 recently as well and it started to form that identity between the East and the West and filtering up into the, the two professional sides so there'll be a, a bit of rivalry on, on show at Melbury on Saturday afternoon as well Well that's us in person done and dusted yeah. I'll say um, 
it wasn't as uh, it wasn't as cold as I thought it'd be in here. But I say mid June <laughs> next week, we'll bring bring you kind of more information as the the national tour and the A tour uh, embark at the weekend. The under twenties over in Italy as well. So we've got loads of rugby to bring you in the next Can't few wait. weeks. Can't wait. Well, thanks for listening.